Clovercrest Media Group is proud to present Season 2 of Sticky Beak. He threatened to kill her, you know. He said it out loud. He said, I will kill you. She did not believe him. I think the circumstances were dubious about her disappearance because she had run away several times prior. She told me he hasn't told a soul. The man driving the car, whoever he was, nobody's ever said a peep. It was never talked about again, even between the two of them. And I'm not sure those two even saw each other after this. In a no-body case, you generally need time and seclusion to dispose of the body. She told me that he's been lying. He lied about this whole thing. In his own mind, he probably does love her in a way we would consider particularly sick or twisted. But I think in his own mind, he does love her. She felt like she was climbing the walls, which isn't a phrase that a kid would use, but that's what she's telling me. Like she felt like she was almost trapped. She said she was trying to look for a way out. I won't go into detail, but I would say you're hot. Subscribe to Sticky Peak wherever you listen to podcasts. The Closing Time Podcast is back, sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. I'm Joe Aguirre. I'll have a brand new co-host, Sanam Salati, who's my broker, my mentor, and my good friend, and one of the most knowledgeable people in Connecticut in the entire real estate industry. We're going to be talking about the latest goings-on. We'll keep you up to date on the market, and we're going to bring on some really great guests all throughout this season, people in all different fields in the industry, like accountants, home inspectors, mortgage reps, and so much more just to give you a better understanding of the Connecticut real estate market. We're so excited for a brand new season of the Closing Time Podcast, part of the CMG Podcast Network. It's sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. Go see Heidi and Glenn Parchman to file your taxes for bookkeeping, business advice, real estate investments, or whatever your accounting needs are, including cryptocurrency. Just visit RockyHillAccountants.com. We'll see you all season long on the Closing Time Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Throwing Jabs Combat Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Big Jace, joined by Joe Aguirre and Jared Jones. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot of fights tonight. And, I mean, it's also WrestleMania weekend, so we'll talk a little bit about combat sports and wrestling. But let's start things off with recapping the fights. Starting off with last night, Ryan Bader defeats Leota Machida via unanimous decision. Jared, what did you think of that fight? The Hook. Ryan, The Hook, Bader. (laughs) <laughs> um, this was kind of a who cares fight for me. Both guys are past their prime, I'd say. Bader looked better than Machida. Uh, I give Machida the nod for body of work. Thanks for the memories. Um, this was Bellator for a reason. This is the type of thing we're seeing here. And this this seems to be the tier between uh, for me, and I know disrespect to these guys, but this is the tier between Stipe and Tyson, Stipe and Ganu, and Tyson Holyfield. Three. You muted Joe. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Aguirre. I was watching a lot of Machida's fights this week and, and sort of reliving his glory days. There was a time where he was he was great. 
That time's not now, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, Bader obviously wanted to get revenge to uh, the only knockout loss of his career, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was to Machida. So for him, this is probably some sort of accomplishment um, in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, again, I think at the end of the day, you know, we had talked about you you look at the, the resumes of these two guys and they fought a lot of great fighters. But, you know, they're on the uh they're on the, on the wrong side of their careers at this point. I mean, again, I think if you're Machida, how much more do you have left? You know, I'm sure Bader's going to be fighting for the light heavyweight championship in Bellator soon enough, uh, right, as a result of this fight. But um, it, it, it's – put it to you like this. The idea that you – because everything I've read today is, you know, he he avenged the knockout loss with a unanimous decision win nine years later. Jared, I, I don't. Is that really avenging the a knockout loss from nine years ago? You the took a forty-one-year-old guy, the guy. The distance. Yeah. yeah. The problem know. is, you look at these guys on paper, strength of opposition, notable wins, and would think they're world beaters, but it's not on paper, and they're forty, and it's not. It's. I don't know. Oh, he is older than Chester. M- M- Ma the cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> Leota's older than Machida. Oh, my oh God. Chester. Chester Machida. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the, it's Bellator at its 86. best. Well, I, I do think Baker is probably the best fighter in Bellator as far as where he is at his division. Like, he can, he he's could still be. Compete at heavyweight, compete at light heavyweight. I think he might be an interesting crossover to the UFC. I think he could so the compete WWE? in both, those, oh, oh, divi- both those divisions of the UFC. <laughs> yeah. Jace, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I feel like, uh, see, to me, if if Bader could have knocked his block off no, and yeah. really, then, then you know, maybe that's something Dana's like, oh, maybe there is something, a little bit something left in the tank. Because let's be honest, in, in the UFC, I think both heavyweight and light heavyweight leaves quite a bit to be desired. So I, I think but if you're Bader in Bellator. be competitive on that other list? Yeah, but, but, but so again, to me, dude, if he would have beat Machida pillar to post, knocked him out or something, then it's like, oh, well, maybe he's still got a little something left in the tank. Dude, you went five rounds with the guy in a in a yeah. Bellator fight. Again, I'm not yeah. like, oh yeah, get Bader and let's pair him off with John I... Jones and <laughs> let's do this, baby. Can't I'm not ready for that. another 29 minutes no, of that action. I, I I felt that way before, but now after this fight, I, I agree with you, Joe. I don't have that. I, I feel like I didn't see anything special, but I, I still do think Bader is the best that Bellator has. It's, far as solid point but the best that bellator has is is the worst of the ufc yeah you're right and uh tony says best yeah beta doesn't (laughs) but uh now me neither now boxing herring tkos frampton in the sixth jared i know you 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 texted us right off right after this happened Oh, but now he's leaving. Okay. Um, so my my last uh since I started doing this, it's been five, five, six, six weeks 
six weeks and I've lost one fight every week. Now I'm a numbers guy and they all have something in common. First one to get it uh, wins a pixie stick. You guys ready? So this is one of them. Harrigan Frampton, the only fight I got wrong on the card. I don't know if you saw Nick Webb and Eric Pfeiffer. There's some heavyweights. Pretty significant upset. Um, I lost that fight. Blahovich Adesanya. I lost that fight. Dillian White and Pavetkin. Nganu and Stipe. You took the favorite. No. Uh, the underdog, I mean. Not the favorite. The opposite of the favorite. No. Brunson and Holland. Nope. Uh, uh, I'm tapped. You agreed with Joe on all of them. That, that's the problem. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> no, is that okay. really it? No, that's well, not come it. Come on now. Reassess the Frampton fight. You picked Frampton, Joe. Reassess it. What was wrong? Uh, what was wrong? Uh, I think Herring is just a younger, faster, better fighter at this point in his career, and he wanted what it. What else? Wrong. Younger, faster, better. What Lefty. else? There's one thing you're missing. Frampton also had a foot out the door. Okay. Uh, Adesanya, rescout the fight with Blahovich. What was wrong? Not- Oh, guys out of weight class? All six of these guys were significantly smaller yeah. than the other guy, and I overlooked it based on their skill level. Right. Frampton, smaller than Herring. Pfeiffer, smaller than Webb. Adesanya, smaller than Blahovich. Pavetkin, smaller than White. Stipe, smaller than Nganu. And Holland, smaller than Brunson by a significant margin. Don't forget Sanhagen and Edgar. <laughs> you got burned there too. Yes. I just watched yes. that fight again last night for no reason at all. But yeah, that's another great example. Yeah. Um, because, and, 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 well, you're exactly right, Jared. We are evaluating these guys on pure talent and right resume and, and what we expect that they're going to do when you're, it's interesting when we talk, we're going to obviously preview the uh, Vittori and Holland fight. He said, Kevin Holland said something. I won't say it now. I'll get into it when we talk about that. But he said something that was really interesting before he took the fight that would have made you think he wouldn't have taken the fight. And then he did it anyway. I'll get into that. But again, it has to do with with size. And we we talk about all the time when you're fighting a bigger guy, a naturally bigger person. You might not be as fast. You might not be as talented, but you're naturally way stronger. And all of your punches are going to have a much bigger impact. And we've seen that and been burned on it. Jared, you're right. Time and time again. Yep. And there's weight classes every seven pounds in boxing. And there's a reason for that. It's something I've said over and over again. And so I always want the more skilled guy with the better resume. Frampton had the better ranking, but it was in a different weight class. Yeah. This was three lightweight versus 10 welterweight or something like that. I mean, it was a bigger guy. And as far as Herring, I mean, great win. Yeah. You got to love that. Um, I want to just say, uh, you know, uh, I like Carl Frampton a lot. I I talked last week during the preview. I I mean, the respect that these guys showed each other back and forth, I thought was to me what the sport, what combat sports in general should be. Frampton had a great career, a very exciting fighter, as exciting, I think, as there's been in the last 15 years. 
He's the greatest athlete ever to come out of Ireland. I think uh, it's a he's a testament to how good British boxing actually can be. I really hope this guy enjoys his retirement. I thought Frampton went out class all the way. Great win for Frampton. He's positioned really for for a lot of good things to happen. The majority of, of the division's top fighters uh, and potential opponents like Oscar Valdez, Shakur Stevenson, and even uh, Loma are all top ranked guys. So this is this is definitely going to help him out. Uh, as Go far through as those three again. Does he beat any of those guys? Probably not. But I didn't think he was going to beat Frampton. So, but again, dude, just the idea that he gets the fights, he's going to get a chance to get at least one of these guys is probably his next opponent, and it'll be easy to make because they're all top ranked guys. So, yeah. at least well, in the short yeah, term, this pays to off. Him, but. And I hate to say this, but this was him at his best in a fight that was tailor-made with a lighter guy who had one foot out the door and a great resume and something cute to put on his resume to go get this fight. I hate saying it because I'm such a uh, fan of the individual and the human being that Herring is, but this is probably his ceiling. I think this was his... Remember Seinfeld? Good night, everybody. If he wants that moment, <laughs> yeah, maybe this should be both of their last fight. I, you know, so I, I think would. I think he's got more left in the tank. I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying, after this, you're going to get a better fight, and I think all of those guys you just named have their way with with Aaron. Um, I would probably agree with that. Again, I think he's a good enough and crafty enough guy. That he could give him a good fight. He certainly wouldn't be the favorite. And I, again, just in the three names I ticked off, I'm with you. I, I wouldn't pick him to beat any one of those guys. I think he could hang with any one of those guys. And on his best day and someone drank some water from Mark Breland, maybe, you know, maybe something <laughs> oh, good yeah. could happen. You know, you never know. You never know where Mark Breland is spiking drinks. So there's always that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Hey, you, you guys picked Frampton for this fight for a reason because he just is run around like Johnny Rufy. See, just <laughs> sprinkle some crack on him. Let's get out of here. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, when Herring does find himself at the top, like he, th these guys aren't going to have a foot out the door already. So he needs to make adjustments and he needs to get prove to himself that he is more the because this wasn't necessarily it, even though it was. Carl Frampton does have somewhat of a name, and he is a solid boxer. This isn't this is like like you said, Jared. This is his pinnacle right now. Well, look, I, I think I think when it, like in swimming, dude, like before you could take a swim or swim a lap, you got to put a toe in the pool. And so he's been there for a while, and I think this was literally him diving headfirst into the pool, and he didn't break his neck on the dive, and so now he's in the water. And now, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's he's yeah. where he needs to be. But this this was him literally getting himself in position where you you could literally see him fighting Valdez or Stevenson or Loma and, and being their next opponent. That's the position he put himself in. That's what he needed to do. He Ooh, did that. And, yeah, uh, he fights too close to his opponents. He needs to use his reach better. Uh, you know, again uh, – the, the technical stuff against a guy like Lomachenko, he will kill you. 
yeah. you're, the night will end quickly if you make those sorts of mistakes. You could get away with it with a guy like Frampton. You're not getting away with it with Stevenson or Valdez or Loma or Tank or Teofimo Lopez. There's a lot of guys in there that that's not going to fly uh, if you're standing in front of him. So, you know, he's got some work to do. But again, this is definitely the, the biggest win of his life. And I think that again, if you're boxing, you got a you got an African American Marine who lost a child to SIDS, who's got Easy. a belt, who just beat a legend in Ireland. How you know what I mean? Bob Aaron was like, get a get an Instagram account and a, and a YouTube like a Paul brother. Um, again, dude, I I don't know what more boxing. You got some of these amazing like. Guys and 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 goodness, how 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 this sport, how this sport, how top rank and and does how these guys can't promote these guys at the level you're seeing the WWE or the UFC pushing every mean, other sport. Stunning. Every, and again, when you consider when you sport. consider the history, Jared, of this sport goes back to like the turn of the century. You got history on your side. How are you blowing this so badly? Well, in fighting, it's the only one we do naturally. It's the only one that's just going to kind of happen. You don't lock a bunch of people in the room and they start doing the curling thing with the brooms and stuff. It's just not going to pop up out of nowhere. And fighting does. Running does. These are things that we're all going to do at some point in, in, uh, in our, you know, this spinning ball with all these animals on it so i mean but jace what do you think honestly was this was is is this guy the real deal or is this win over frampton just a red herring (laughs) (laughs) i love love that i love that but uh yeah i mean he's i I don't see him going anywhere uh blasting off after the win like this but i mean joe you mentioned it I mean, the WWE's doing it better. And we, we talked about, I mean, you also mentioned the Paul brothers. Logan Paul just showed up on SmackDown a couple weeks ago, and he's going to be at WrestleMania promoting his fight with Floyd Mayweather. Of course he so, is. The two biggest fights in the pat, the, there was the Fury and Wilder fight. Fury had done WWE right before that. And now you got Logan Paul. Going to WWE right before, which is going to be a huge fight, him versus Mayweather. So, the, the, WWE knows how to sell and make uh, boxing look better. But with WrestleMania being this weekend, the who you got this week, what is the best crossover between combat sports and WWE and sports entertainment? Joe? I don't know, man. Um, I... I'm not sure I even understand the question necessarily. What is the best combat sports to sports entertainment crossover? Look, I think anytime you put Mike Tyson, uh, uh, whether it be on wrestling or really anywhere in any scenario, uh, Mike Tyson equals interesting to me. You could put Mike Tyson literally anywhere uh, across any yeah. other combat sport in any capacity. I, I knew the fight with um, with Roy Jones Jr. was going to be awful, and I know the one with Holyfield's going to be awful, but I'm in, and I will be watching. 
Um, I probably won't spend money. I'll steal it somehow, some way, probably. <laughs> but I'll want to watch it because I think Mike Tyson is the greatest thing that happened to our culture. For many reasons, some good, some bad. I think, uh, you know, when you look at the American redemption story, Mike Tyson is it. Mike Tyson is that guy who had the, the glory and the fame, and then it all went away, and then he was in jail, and then he came back, and he was pretty pretty uh, okay as a boxer, <laughs> and then found new life uh, as a movie star, and now as like a pop culture icon. So, yeah, him in WWE, him, I'm surprised he hasn't hasn't had some kind of a UFC something or other. I would, I mean. There were talks if, way back in the I would day. think there would be, dude, if, if uh, somebody like Batista gets a shot at MMA, uh, dude, Mike Tyson, I mean, you got to tell him he can't bite, obviously, but, you know. Mike, you could do whatever you want in this in this octagon. That, that's like his dream scenario. Yeah, so I, Mike Tyson's my answer. Jared, you uh, got one for me? Yeah, yeah. I had a tough time with this, but uh, Richard Pryor has an amateur boxing experience. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I I, I want to say that if the Paul brothers uh, stay on this path, they may need Paul bearers. My answer to the question is Tommy Lister. Tommy Lister. Ooh. Can I get a Tommy Lister in uh, movies like Runaway Train, Eight Million Ways to Die, Armed and Dangerous, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Barbed Wire, Fat Beach, Jackie Brown, Judgment Day, Demo. most notably Friday, Friday. next Friday, Hellbound, Dracula, Hairshow Blast, Full Crypt, The Grand Bojai, everything else. Moves in everything. Um, this is Zeus from wrestling. He was, uh, yeah. Zeus versus He was Zeus. Zeus. And for me, that was the one. Debo, yeah. Was, that, was, that was the, we still say Debo. I still have people that will refer to taking something by force. As strong arming or deboing, it's still a thing. All right, I, I like that one. What's yours? This one's. I, I'm sure you thought a lot about this, my friend. What do you got? I did. I mean, and there's one big easy one. I mean, for, first off, you gotta respect well, what saying. Ronda did. Of course, but Brock, Brock Lesnar. Not we're talking combat sports. Circle gets a square. NCAA champion, go yeah. UFC champion. Yeah. Not only WWE champion breaks the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. Brock the Beast Lesnar, he he has to be the best crossover from WWE to combat sports and back and forth and back and forth because he is the man. I mean, even when he came back and just pushed Daniel. Cormier, that was still a great moment. You know, it's it's a shame, dude, the, the diverticulitis that he suffered from because, man, oh, when yeah. he came back and fought, oh, God, was it Junior Velasquez? Who did he no, fight? Uh, with? Oh, help Overeem. me out. Overeem. Uh, Overeem, there you go. Uh, oh, that was, I mean, God, it, it, it hurt to watch that as I think, especially when Brock got hit in the body. And you could see him go down immediately. You you knew yeah, he wasn't right. 
Oh, dude, that was uh, that was so rough, man. Because it's funny, I like when I when I first came across WWE, I hated Brock Lesnar, and then when I heard he was Cotton, going to Cock Chesner, I used to call him for the count of the tattoo. Oh yeah, absolutely. My brother and I have jokes about uh, the Brock Lesnar types in the world. They're all always asshole douchebags. Oh yeah, everybody um, named Biff. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. the kind of guy. He's he's like everything that's wrong with America. Dude, when he got to the UFC, and obviously there was a lot of talk. I mean, Kent Shamrock dealt with it with Tito Ortiz, you know, where where people were like, you're a joke. This is real in the octagon. It's like, oh, I, I do that fake stuff in a ring, but yeah. I'll still kick your ass in real life. Don't think I can't do it. Shamrock couldn't do it to Ortiz three times, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. I, and I think Brock Lesnar showed it. Um, was a great champion, had a great run, and and I and I and it's he's is he back with WWE? Did I hear he's that like right? He's a free agent now. He's kind of like floating around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good, good Why isn't do. this Muhammad Ali? Because it's not I mean, 1984. No, Ali was great. <laughs> I mean. Mike Tyson was great. Sports but- entertainment. I mean, I'm stretching what sports entertainment is, but I, I, yeah, would, okay. I, I think I think you're out. right with my. I mean, I, I just feel like Muhammad Ali's sort of you know falling out of the spotlight. You you know, I, the Parkinson's a transcendent character as opposed to an entertainer, as Mike Tyson became or as Lesnar yeah. was. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. I like both of those answers better than mine. Don't get used to it, guys. I like that somebody said not fair because he was in WWE first. Like, again, like that somehow downgrades what Brock did. But again, right? Yeah, but again. He was an NCAA wrestler first. Correct. Right. He was already like an already proven commodity as a wrestler. And, dude, if you're a college wrestler, what's the next level? At the time, there was no next level other than. Pretending at the WWE. Yeah. Now you have the option that you can you can get into combat sports and mixed martial arts. Now there's options for guys that are college wrestlers to actually go pro, so to speak. And that your next level is not the Olympics, and then you're working at the Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, that's what it used to be. That's what it used to be. College wrestlers, cheerleaders, you know what you, you're you're a senior cheerleader yeah, at, at, at Tennessee. Things are great, and then you graduate, and it's like now you're an executive at Philip Morris. Um, and the right yeah. same thing we with need women's softball events and no softball, right? Thanks, so, the idea look, yeah. the idea that there's a place for these people to go now for the first time ever, I, I you know, to discount what happens that's the other thing, look. But I don't want to get into the WWE because I'm sure Jace will try to, yeah, nothing against either. the archers either. I know it's not real, but you know how hard it is to fall like that? Shut up. It's not. Not when you're a trained <laughs> professional. That's your job, to fall, your only job. But it does, look, it does take a lot of physical endurance. These guys are great athletes. That's why they're able to do it. And that's why you see guys at the end of their careers. I, the Undertaker will always be my favorite wrestler. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Jace, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had a fight with Diesel at the end. Yeah. And neither one of them performed well. It was sloppy, and it was clear these two guys should not be in a ring any longer. And they made the decision basically that night that yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna call it a career. Um, 
But hey, again, dude, it, you know? it's nice that there's it's nice that there's a next level. And to me, WWE counts. Professional wrestling, again, we know what it is, but it, it does take the physicality that uh, uh, that combat sports requires. When Brock Lesnar won his championship at WrestleMania against Kurt Angle, he went to go do a flip off the top rope, landed weird, broke his neck, knocked himself out. Took a bad cool. angle. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. But uh, he still <laughs> finished the match. So, I mean, it, 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 is, it does take a different type of athlete. Way to fight through it. But, uh, all right, let's let's get back into combat sports. So, Tim Silva got his arm broke once in an arm bar, and the, when the guy broke it, he let go because, you know, he had broken his arm, and he knocked him out with the other hand. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> – Way to tough your way through it, big guy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's like a Kerry Strug. Tough your way, you know. You know that's which one of my all-time favorite moments as a human being, Kerry Strug. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, I love Kerry Strug. That was an oh, amazing yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. One of Chase, our greats. You know I do not. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. That's my homegirl. Look her up. Carrie Strug. You need to know about I this will. stuff, James. Yeah, yeah. So, but but at the same time, it's not like an injury. I've said it before in fighting. I see guys injure themselves and finish fights with a broken hand or something. You know, at this point, I break my hand. Fight's over. I might chuck a few real good ones at you with the other hand, but. There are some of these things that happen that are like, oh, yeah, you can't walk, dude. You know, hopping after him with one foot and trying to take him to the ground. Uh, uh, you're broken. You're broken. And if you break, you lose the fight. And that's kind of how I look at it. But some other guys don't. And uh, that's why we pay him to fight. Yep. All right. Now, let's get into previewing tonight's fights. And let's start it off with Joe telling us a little bit about one of the fights. Joe Smith Jr. is 31 years old. He's six foot tall, 26 and three with 21 knockouts. From Long Island, New York, he turned pro after a very brief amateur career and first came to prominence with a win over Andre Fonfara, who was ranked number two by the WBC. He then made a huge splash on the scene when he knocked Bernard Hopkins out of the ring it would turned out to be the last fight of Hopkins' career. In his next fight, Smith was thoroughly outclassed by veteran contender Sullivan Barrera, and after a quick first-round knockout of Melvin Russell, he challenged WBA light heavyweight champion Dimitri Bivol, and despite temporarily wobbling the champ in the 10th round, he was otherwise completely overmatched and lost a unanimous decision. After bouncing back with a win over Jesse Hart, he stepped in against one-time champion Elater Alvarez, dominating and eventually knocking out Storm in the ninth round. He fights at a rather workmanlike rate and finds his range with pawing double or triple jabs. He prefers slugging and winging hooks and looping overhand rights, but generally doesn't work the body. To this point in his career, he seems to fall just short of the championship level. Maxim Vlasov, 34 years old, 6'3", with a 75-inch reach. He's 45-3 with 26 knockouts. From Samara, Russia, 
He turned pro in 2005 and went 19-0 before losing a unanimous decision to perennial contender Isaac Chalemba. He then went on a 10-fight winning streak, beating the likes of former contenders Corin Gabor and Ruben Acosta, then losing to Gilberto Ramirez. He then moved up to cruiserweight, knocking out Rakim Chikayev, Denton Danley, and Olan Duradola before challenging Christoph Glowacki in the quarterfinal of the World Boxing Super Series, losing a wide unanimous decision. He bounced back with three wins, including avenging his loss to Isaac Chalemba. Vlasov has a very awkward style, constantly bobbing side to side and fighting out of a high guard. He also tends to paw with both hands before he's ready to unload. He's very much flat-footed, and his best punch is his left hook, which he typically sets up with a double jab. Thank you for that, Joe. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. My brother just texted me, am I being replaced? And I said, no, I hate, I hate reading these scouting reports live on the air. I figured I would produce it. So all of the tales of the tape will be produced. Uh, the main event will have video and stuff in it. I, I, it didn't, I just didn't want this to be too lame, but it was all pictures. Um, I watched a lot of fights of both of these guys this week, and I'm, I'm struggling, Jace, because I really like Joe Smith Jr., watched a lot of uh Lasov's fights and I don't know man there's there's just something in in his style and movement I think my brother didn't like it he is pretty flat-footed and he just he doesn't really move his head but he sort of moves his body and Jared you and I had talked about that I was saying about Lasov he doesn't really move the head as much as he moves the body but we <laughs> talked about that Muhammad Ali Joe Frazier if you're just moving your body and not your head. I mean, I can still pound your body to my heart's content because while your head's not in the same place, your body's not really going anywhere. Also, he's another one of these guys, I can't stand this, where they, they it's pawing. I'm, I, I'm hitting you with a left jab, and it's doing nothing to you. It's like a fly in your face. It's more annoying than anything else. And for me, what I find in a lot of the guys that do that you're, you're doing it to find distance. Well, your opponent's also determining the distance by you doing the pawing. He does a lot of the double jabs to set up the power right. I don't know. I uh, This is a tough one. I, yeah. This is a tough one, Jerry. I had a friend booed you that uh, as soon as you were close enough, he would, he would stick his chin out because when you touched him, he knew you were close enough to hit. Yeah. You know, so... That was kind of his tactic is get your hands down here and get ready to let him go as soon as you get touched. Um, so I agree with that. You're kind of establishing distance with a pawing jab. I want you to snap it out there. Um, that being said, I really like Joe Smith in this fight. Um, got stopped once really early in his career. Six of his last seven opponents. Fonfar, Bernard Hopkins, Sullivan Barrera, Dimitri Bivol, Jesse Hart, Elder Alvarez. Now, granted, he's uh, five and two in his last seven, but um, that just seems like better opposition. Um, he's knocked out better guys. He's fought better guys. Um, they have similar records, and they've been on different levels. So I agree that Smith's had some trouble getting to that next level. But those two guys that beat him are, are really upper echelon. I'm riding with Tony here, too. Baturbiev knocks out either one of these guys. Oh, yeah. yeah but uh, expect Joe Smith Jr. to 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 
to uh, win this fight, probably so, by decision. Let me caution you then, because I, I, again, we're coming into a situation <laughs> where uh, Lasov's six three and has a, 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 a the the reach advantage. You got a seventy five inch uh, reach on this. Do we or would we be making a mistake here by going with the smaller guy, so to speak? That's my only fear. Also, his his style is so. Vlasov's got such an unusual style. Yeah, I know he hasn't really fought a lot of nobodies, and believe me, I had to produce that thing and pronounce those names <laughs> of guys I've never heard of. Um, yeah, you mangled some of them, Joe. Oh, you should see my script, Jared. It's a, it's a. Does everything is written out in like choppy half words? Um, yeah, whatever. I'm sure I hacked them up. I um. I wasn't really all that concerned about it. I don't think most people would have known the difference, but I, I, I do wonder if, if the, if the, the different style, if that doesn't throw Smith or if that doesn't make it a closer fight, even Justin, maybe there'll be a few rounds where you got to get some used to, again, if you watch the way Lasso fights, it's, um, it's a little unsettling almost. Yeah. I'm still picking Smith by decision, oh, yeah. but I I just I, I I feel like I've been getting burned a lot on these where I'm like, no, this guy's definitely the better fighter. And then he loses, and I'm like, well, why? And it, you know, again, uh, you know, style makes fights. So I get a little concerned. That's all I'm saying. Six fights. Oh, excuse me. And all of those. Okay, so he was under 170 for a great big chunk of his career. And then was over 190. He fought at 170 in January of 27. Uh, January of 2015, he fought at 170. And then in December of that same year, fought at 196 and a half. Wow. Interesting. Um, lost his last fight at 170 and then puffed up 20-something pounds in the same year. Stayed all the way up at 198, over 200, fought, fought once at 204. And then all of a sudden in November of 2018, he fights at 198. Then he dropped that 25 pounds back six months later to knock out Omar Garcia, stays at 175, wins two more fights by decision, and then fights Joe Smith tonight at 175. That's interesting. Went up 25 pounds for 12 fights and then came back down. That's weird. That's that's very odd. Um, only one of his losses are at that weight is at that weight class, uh Glowaki. If you have to say it again, Glowaki. Um at 198 and then went back down. So he lost at 170 and went up 25 pounds. And then lost at 198 and went back down that 25 pounds. And the other loss was relatively early in his career. Yeah, so I don't love maybe that, but... he loses to Juice Joe Smith and goes back up to 205. Seems to be his MO. Yeah. Um, but I but I you're right, Joe. Here I am again with the main event and the smaller human being yeah thank you and, for cautioning <laughs> and i'm right there with you despite cautioning you i'm still going with smith jr and I'll i'm still going that. the same thing i i feel like this is going to be a, a a good battle between two guys 
I do th I think it's going to take Smith a little bit to just sort of get used to the movement. I think he'll dominate the second half of the fight. Uh, and and assuming he hasn't, you know, that the, the beginning wasn't too out of hand, I think he wins uh, a, a decision. No, yeah, you, you guys are going to bounce back because I agree with you. Smith's going to get it done. I think <laughs> he's not uh, – I mean, he's obviously not on B Paterbia. <laughs> he might not even be on Bivol's level, but he, he can compete with them and uh, and give him at least a good fight. I don't think he wins, but I, I like Smith to j just be new blood in this division. But now let's move on to our next fight. Joe, why don't, why don't you give us a little, a little breakdown on this one? Jerwin Ancaius, 29 years old. He's five foot six with a 66 and a half inch reach. He's 32, one and two with 22 knockouts. From Panabo, Philippines, he was introduced to boxing by his older brother at age seven, winning a gold medal in a national championship and compiling an amateur record of 90 and five before turning pro at age 17. He went 15 and 0 with one draw before dropping a decision to Mark Giraldo then won his next 11 and route to a unanimous decision over McJoe Arroyo to claim the IBF junior bantamweight title. Since then, he has made eight title defenses, including brutal knockouts of Jose Rodriguez, Jamie Conlon, Teiru Kinoshita, Rai Ochi Funai, and Israel Gonzalez. In his last fight, he blew out number 14 Miguel Gonzalez via six-round knockout back in 2019. One of boxing's longest reigning champions, Pretty Boy, is a relentless, hard-hitting southpaw who applies constant pressure to wear his opponents down with combinations from all angles. His biggest weakness is his inconsistency, as he has had several close fights with fighters that weren't on his level. Despite his long reign and impressive resume, he has been unable to secure a major fight with the stars in and around his division, such as Chocolito, Estrada, and Inouye. He recently parted with Bob Abram out of frustration and signed with Al Heyman. He's hoping a win over Rodriguez under the PBC banner will lead to more lucrative paydays against the elite. Jonathan Titan Rodriguez, 25 years old. He's 5'5 five five with a 66-inch reach. He's 22-1 with 16 knockouts. From San Luis, Mexico, he turned pro in 2015 at 20 years old. He won his first 16 fights over unranked opposition before dropping a split decision to Jose Garcia. He won his next fight by knockout over Emmanuel Zuniga, who had a record of 3-16, then won his next five with four knockouts, including a bludgeoning of Felipe Orcuta, which left Orcuta in a coma. He's a typical Mexican-style pressure fighter who throws tons of punches while perpetually moving forward, but most of his wins so far have come against fighters with losing records. Right. Joe, you want to take uh, Rodriguez in this one, Jared? What do you think? The Titan <laughs> or Pretty Boy? Um, well, it should be this... illegal to be called the Titan in only five five. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you if you we Tony and I did a ton of research on Rodriguez. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. It was hard to even <laughs> it's hard to even find info on this guy. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, he beat a guy uh, a year ago who was three and sixteen. So I just, ah. maybe it's the maybe it's the opposite of Lucin, right? Did you see how it was spelled? Um, this is this is a classic. Yeah, thank you. Um, this is a classic case of play. Uh, you 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 bet the numbers, not the players. 
um, and at like plus 500 or whatever it is Rodriguez is and minus 700. Um, yeah, I mean, for that, I'll take Rodriguez. Um, and that only loss, watch that fight. Very close fight, and um, I had it the other way. So this could be this could very well be an undefeated fighter right at the same, you know, got a couple years in age on him. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, I think I like the upset. For those numbers, I definitely like the upset. And you're going to hear that again later on. Um, I'm going to take Jerwin uh, uh, on Caius. I'm going to say uh, sixth round TKO. I think I, I, I look I, I, again in, in, in trying to get as much info as I could on Jonathan Javier Titan Rodriguez. Um, it, again, it was hard to really know much about this guy and even where he came from. He beat somebody uh, almost to death. Uh, in a boxing match, which is tough to do. But again, when you're fighting guys that are three and 16, you're probably not fighting guys at your level. You're fighting guy- and you probably walk away feeling like a big tough guy. I think this is going to be the first time in Rodriguez's career where he fights somebody who's on a completely different level. Yeah, uh, and again, you know, if if there's one thing we caution, and thanks for Tony for bringing it up, is yeah, you know, um, Ancaius tends to fight down to the the competition, uh, where he should go out and 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 face a guy like this and destroy him. I'm gonna say he does it this time. That he's gonna go it out there and not him? coast. No. Yeah, I'm telling you, I he's gonna. Yeah. He's gonna take him out, and he's he's gonna he's gonna show you what what kind of uh I like goes the kind of distance. He is. Uh, I, I like, I like the that distance as well. better than I like either fighter. I, I like it to go to the distance. I like Inkaias to win it though. Um, just uh, he he's shown that he wants those bigger fights, and this is gonna be a step, hopefully in that direction. But but he has shown he wants those. He knows what the future has for him and what he can do. So I like Kahas. I, I think he will play down to his competition and make it a decision. But, I, yeah, I, I like him to come out victorious. And well, then this is up. a huge upset if Rodriguez can take it. I'm not – Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I, listen, I'm, to I'm me, saying I maybe say- If there's one on the card, there's a couple hundred to one odds on this. Like, take all the favorites and then pick Joe Smith and this fight. Do you know what makes me think on Caius is serious is the fact that he blew Bob Aramo, signed with Al Heyman. This tells me this guy is yeah. like, you know what? Hasn't been able to get Estrada. Hasn't been able to get Chocolito. Hasn't been able to get anybody. He, again, is fighting the Titan here, uh, you know, for lack of a, a, of a better competitor for him. He's got to win this fight. He's got to show Al Heyman how serious he is about his craft. That's the only way he's going to earn um, better fights. And so, th- to me, this is a huge fight for him personally. Both guys. Put it to like this. Look, if he can't go out there and, and take care of business, then he doesn't deserve any of it. Oh, he loses this fight at 29 years old. He might, I mean, yeah, you're on your way up. This is the upward trajectory fight. You lose this one. You start on that rocky path of... Back of the line, bud. Yeah, yeah. makes it hard to do. We saw Stipe do it. 
But that, but a guy going back in the line that many times and then finding a way to crawl back to the top, it's it's just a much more difficult path than twelve and zero and fought a lot of competitive guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you brought up Sipe, so let's get in to our UFC fight of the night and Tony's tale of the tape. All right, guys, tonight on ABC, we have another exciting matchup in the middleweight division. As fast-rising star Marvin the Italian Dream Vittori takes on last-minute replacement Kevin the Trailblazer Holland. Let's break it down. Kevin Holland, 28 years old. He's six foot three with an 81-inch reach and is 21-6 and six with 11 knockouts. After a short amateur career, he turned pro in 2015, going 12-3 and three for various organizations before losing his UFC debut to Tiago Santos in 2018. He bounced back with wins over John Phillips and Gerald Mearshart before losing via rear naked choke to Brendan Allen. In 2020, Holland went on a five-fight run, becoming the breakout fighter of the year with a split decision over Darren Stewart and brutal knockouts over Anthony Hernandez, Joaquin Buckley, and Charlie Ontiveros. He capped off the year with an impressive knockout of veteran Jacare Souza, stunning Souza with a punch from his back and following up with a vicious ground and pound. Ironically, Holland was supposed to end 2020 by fighting Jack Hermanson as a last-minute replacement for an injured Darren Till until he contracted COVID-19 and was himself replaced by Marvin Vittori in what turned out to be a star-making performance for the Italian fighter. Just three weeks ago, Holland faced veteran gatekeeper Derek Brunson in what should have been a setup for a title shot, but was thoroughly outclassed and outwrestled by Brunson in a display so embarrassing that Dana White actually walked out before it was over. Holland is a dynamic striker who possesses excellent kicks, power in both hands, and a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Travis Luter, yet admittedly hates grappling, which remains the largest hole in his game. Fighting out of Mezzacorona, Italy, Marvin the Italian Dream Vittori is 6 feet tall with a 74-inch reach. He has a record of 16-4-1 with 2 knockouts and 9 submissions. Being inspired to become a fighter after watching Fedor versus Krokop, Vittori had to work out weekly in six different gyms throughout Italy to gain training he needed as mixed martial arts hadn't become widespread there until recently. His path to becoming more well-rounded brought him first to London and eventually to California where he trains at the revered Kings MMA under legendary coach Rafael Cordero. After going 10-2, and he debuted in the UFC in 2016 with a first-round guillotine of Alberto Pereira. He followed that with a unanimous decision over Vitor Miranda in a hard-fought draw against Amari Akhmedov. In April 2018, Vittori gave fast-rising star and future champion Israel Adesanya one of the toughest fights of his career, losing a hotly contested slugfest by split decision. After a brief suspension for PEDs in which USADA ruled that Vittori had accidentally ingested a contaminated supplement, he went on to beat up and outwork solid veteran Cesar Ferreira, completely dominate and outclass Andrew Sanchez, and overwhelmed Carl Roberson via first-round submission. On December 5th, 2020, Vittori stepped in for Kevin Holland in his most significant victory of his career, beating the fifth-best middleweight Jack the Joker Hermanson in an electrifying and dominant fight, which saw excellent striking, knockdowns, grappling, and proving to all that he belongs with the elite of the division. A relentless pressure fighter with accurate strikes, solid grappling, and a granite chin, Vittori possesses some of the best cardio in the game, wearing down his opponents and remaining as dangerous in the last round as he was in the first. Can Holland handle the pressure and grappling of Vittori? Will his five-inch reach and devastating punching power be enough to win the day? Can the trailblazer erase the memories of the loss to Brunson 
Or will Vittori's relentless style and superior skills prove too much for Holland as the Italian dream continues his ascent up the rankings towards a final showdown with rival Israel Adesanya? Marvin Vittori versus Kevin Holland tonight on ABC. Tune in for what's sure to be another explosive matchup. All right, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I know how much you love Marvin Vittori. And, I mean, are we just going to see a repeat of Brunson and uh, Holland, but this time Vittori is going to be the one dominating? Yeah, listen, so I, I like Kevin Holland a lot. I really do. And, again, in my research during the week and in, in talking to Tony as we put together the tail of the tape, Kevin Holland has beaten one ranked opponent. That was Jacare Souza, who's 41 years old. He couldn't handle Derek Brunson. And then after the fight, I alluded to this earlier, guys. Kevin Holland said, I don't know if I can handle these guys at 185 pounds. I think they might be too much for me. Then a week later, this fight comes up, and he's like, I'll take it. And it's like, are you are you insane? It's Didn't crazy. you just say a week ago that maybe this is not the right weight class for you? If you couldn't out-wrestle Derek Brunson, you're not out wrestling Marvin Vittori. Are you serious? Somehow, because of the 2020 that Kevin Holland had, we are under the impression that he is an elite fighter. He has given us no reason to believe that. His trash talking is at elite level. He is the he is like at at uh Khabib Nurmagomedov's crap talking level, right? That's a trash talking that that's boss level. Khabib backed it up. Kevin Holland has not been able to. Dana White literally walked out of the arena. He was so pissed. And Khabib was sitting with Dana. And Khabib thought that Kevin Holland was an idiot. He's like, this guy. Like, what an asshole. I mean, dude, you got to take your craft seriously. If Kevin Holland had the skill of Khabib and he wanted to mess around and laugh and goof, great, do it. You're not that good that you should be as confident as you are. You're selling him short. Go for it. Defend him. Um, This guy beat... I dare you. Anthony Hernandez, Jacqueline Buckley, Darren Stewart, uh, Jacare Sosa... And yeah, this guy that Tony just mentioned, one, two, three, four, all five of those guys last year. Yeah. Last year. And then took Brunson on short notice and lost to a bigger guy. He's done nothing? He fought a half dozen times in a calendar year. Uh-huh. And there's some good names on that list. Absolutely. And I think are. the same thing here. If you're betting these numbers of plus 275 and minus 350, then yes, you take Kevin Holland. There's nobody, I think, more underrated and disrespected, maybe out, well, I would say outside of Stipe, who uh, the underrated part I definitely think is correct. One of the things everyone's noted about Marvin Vittori is win, lose, or draw, Vittori gets better from the fight. Vittori learns lessons. If he loses, he, he, he knows what he did wrong, and he improves on that. Kevin Holland is a clown who doesn't take his craft seriously. It's hard to be great at something when you're not really that serious about it. Does he have great natural ability? Yes. Does he have great knockout power? 
Yes. Has he knocked out some decent guys? Yes. Is he going to beat Marvin Vittori? No, absolutely not. Marvin Vittori is a guy who's, uh, who's trying to get to the next level. Kevin Holland thinks he's already there. Yeah. I, I, it sucks that Jared's coming in and out because I, I agree with you, Joe. The, I wouldn't come back if I was him. <laughs> oh, there he is. But I mean, <laughs> don't it, call it a comeback. <laughs> Jared, if a couple weeks ago you could say that Francis is not going to learn wrestling and be able to stop the takedowns like Stipe can in years. He stopped how one is, takedown. How, he stopped. Okay. It was okay, one. But okay, can, I get, how is can I get to my point? Two how guys are out of control. Holland's going to learn how to stop takedowns from a couple weeks ago. When Holland oh, just You're defending me. You're defending yeah, me. All right. Chase is right. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Derek Lewis. I was arguing with Jace till I realized he agreed with me. Now he's right. Take him, take him down, hold him down, and suffocate him. Derek Lewis or Marvin Vittori, please say Vittori, you guys. I will chew you up. There is no way you're taking Vittori in this overpower you and suffocate you category. Over Derek Lewis? No, Derek Lewis does that to a lot of guys. You're selling Holland short here. I'm picking Vittori. I, I don't wonder. You're taking Vittori <laughs> anyway. What? I mean, come on. Like you're selling the guy short. You're, no, you're giving listen. Vittori no. all of this credit. Nonsense. And if you look at the and if That's you look not at what I'm doing, I, I look at Jared based on resume. And, and I think in large part because people feel like they can fight Kevin Holland. Nobody wants to fight Marvin Vittori. He's an interesting well, matchup. He doesn't – Marvin Vittori really had two knockouts in his career. Not a knockout guy. That's not fair because Darren Till doesn't want to fight anybody. Darren Till doesn't <laughs> want to fight anybody. You're exactly right. But it seems like nobody wants a piece of this guy. Israel Adesanya, I mean, literally left the division and tried to move up in my opinion, to get away from Marvin Vittori, the only guy in the division who's really ever given him a match. I personally, having watched the fight again just this week, still feel like Marvin Vittori beat Israel you Adesanya. Loss. You pin a lot to that loss. I'm just saying. I, I like Kevin Holland. Don't get me wrong, Jared. I love, uh, dude, one of my favorite videos is four minutes of Kevin Holland trash talking. I love that. I love him. I love watching his knockouts. I had all I my video clips saved. Oh. I had all the video clips saved of all the, I love him. I think he's great. I was so upset with the Brunson fight because if you look at the stupid look on his face or yelling to <laughs> Khabib, hey, Khabib, what? like he was Eddie Murphy in a comedy. Like, he, he was not taking this seriously. I have a real issue with Kevin Holland not being serious. And he just finished saying, after the Brunson fight, I don't like fighting these 185ers. Why are you... Then, then wh why? Why? That's all I'm saying. Why are you still there? I mean, before the last fight, Jared was comparing this guy to Cyril Gain. He's like... So he's saying he was going to be the next great... Middleweight fighter, but I, I don't know. Uh, uh, the problem is Holland is not trying to win the title. He's trying to have fun, yeah. What do I always say about Justin Gaethje? 
I love Justin Gaethje. But Justin, I read something Gaethje said a few years ago, and it's stuck in my head, and it's why in big fights I go against Gaethje. He said, I don't want to be the best fighter. I want to be the most entertaining. And I thought, Khabib Nurmagomedov doesn't care how interesting or entertained you are by his fight. His plan is to choke you out as soon as humanly Beautifully possible. Beautifully said. And send everybody home. If you're there in the ring to do anything but win as quickly as possible, I don't like your intentions and I don't like your chances. To piggyback that, Justin Gagey also said, uh, I understand that a guy with my style, relatively speaking, isn't going to have a lot of fights throughout his career. So I totally agree with everything you just said. Somebody that knows that and fights like that, especially by design, you can't take them in those big fights with somebody who literally, yeah, I'll look good tomorrow and win today. And I don't blame Holland for jumping on this fight. He's obviously embarrassed. He, if he's not embarrassed, he should be about what happened with Brunson because that was pathetic and and it was it was embarrassing. That's going to end up on on one of those worst MMA video fights. The top ten. It's going to be like number three. That's how bad this thing was. Oh, okay? Brunson. I kept saying Lewis. Excuse me. Yeah, no, I knew you meant Brunson. Don't swear. That's what that confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah right, the right. first time you said it, I was like, oh, he means Brunson. He said Lewis. But you had said Brunson, I think, the first time. So, Derek again. Lewis, that's a tough fight for Holland. I was going to say, yeah. dude, yeah. <laughs> uh, if he's fighting Lewis, I'm taking Lewis for sure. Yeah, I'll take Lewis. <laughs> Throw the ranch on it. Again, dude, like I said, I love Gaethje and I love Kevin Holland. I, I enjoy what they do. If, but if you're putting them in the cage with a guy who wants to just kill him and get out of there, I'm going to take that guy. I have to. I have to. Jared, you know better than anybody how serious a thing fighting is. And if I'm screwing around and you're serious, I'm in huge trouble. Your puncher's and chance mentality. My, my, only chance, my only chance to beat you, Jared, is if you're screwing around and I'm like, I'm going to knock Jared's ass out today. You don't even know what's coming. I'm like, right? let's trade a little bit, Joe. Yeah, you're like, hey, why don't you? And I'm like, bam, right? Like, hey, I win. That's how Did it would happen. Did you see the video I put up with the trainer? I have it. No. The, the, oh, yes. This guy the, the, walks the, the, in yes. and he's oh, like, I I oh, I looked you up. You want to spar? You never had anybody call you out? You own a gym? What? Oh, man, your your street attitude will get you nowhere in boxing as the guy's picking himself up, sucking wind, longest three minutes you've ever seen. <laughs> My favorite, he's like, let's get some work in. He's like, I won't hit you. And then, right, the guy's taking it, and he's not landing. He's throwing punches, and, he, and he's missing the coach. That's and not coach, boxing. That's now put not your boxing. hands up. I'm going to start hitting you back. No, <laughs> I am. Hold your hands up. I'm going to start hitting you. Okay. Yeah, don't ever walk into a gym and challenge the coach. That's a bad that, that was a great video. That should be posted on the Throwing Jabs page because it was oh, a yeah, great life lesson. That. I commented on your page. I loved every second of that. Great lesson to learn. And I'll tell you what, to the coach's credit, he basically told that guy, get serious. You want to come here and train, but you don't, you don't come in and challenge people like that. That's street. This is yeah. a gym. Yeah. We do things for real here. And, again, my point about Kevin Holland is – Dude, you're in the squared circle with, like, a legitimate person whose goal is to beat you up. If you're not taking it 100% serious, I know he's super talented. He's got one-punch knockout power, 
But yeah. Well, and my buddy Brandon Cruz said, uh, my buddy Brandon Cruz said um, that that was a beautiful lesson, like a really beautifully crafted lesson. If the guy's willing to receive it, you just got one of the quickest and most direct versions of the lesson you needed the most that you were going to get. The bell rang. And three minutes later, you knew a whole bunch of things you didn't know before that about yourself, about the guy you were in there with, about athletic ability and sports and humility and humanity. And what are the important lessons we need to get out of life at the end of the day? That he got them that day. If he's willing to receive it, and they don't always have to come in and ass whoop them, but I'll tell you what, there are some hard-headed individuals that that's the easy. I, you know, my mom said to me once, something happened and I punched somebody in the face and it was somebody that I thought really needed to get punched in the face and she's arguing against it. And I said, you know, and she's, but you punched him in the face. And some, I said, sometimes that's the best thing that can happen. And she's now used that hundreds of times since then. Sometimes the best thing that can happen is you get punched in the face. You know, and that was that we have. He's receptive to that lesson. It's a great one for him. After the fight with Vittori and Hermanson, uh, Vittori went up to him and he said, you and I both got better tonight. Hmm. I mean, what an interesting thing to say. What an interesting perspective to take to even say to your opponent, listen, we just got better tonight. We learned something about each other tonight and about ourselves. That's that's what I want my fighters to be in the ring thinking and saying. I told you guys after the Ngannou-Stipe fight, when Ngannou walked up to him and was like, you made me a better fighter. Made me a better man. Like, I mm. want that. I I mean, yes. I love, and again, Jace, again, I don't want to down uh, Nganu. He only stuffed the one takedown, but it was clear he had put the work in. Yes. And, I, yes, and, and, and listen, I still want to see him wrestle somebody for real. And more than stuffing one takedown, and then I'll be convinced. But I know he put the work in. And I know what a good dude he is and what a hard worker he is. And I have all the respect in the world for Francis Ngannou. And I was wrong. I didn't think he could learn wrestling that fast. And he clearly did. Stipe's pretty good at it. Right? So hats off to that guy. But again, this is the difference between a guy who at 26 was living on the streets of Paris, dreaming that this opportunity, dreaming that this might happen for him. And then when he had his first chance, he got Beat down pillar to post. Five embarrassing rounds where he got dominated and looked like an amateur for the last three rounds of that fight. Looked like an amateur. Had three or four years, right, to to think about it, work at it, train at it, and figure out what he was going to do if he got another chance. And you know what he didn't do, Jace? He didn't blow it. Did not. He went out there. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He fought smart. He fought controlled. Again, the one takedown. He stuffed it. Even took his back. Got that. Got that. I mean, it was it was everything you wanted to see from Nganu. Not just from a, a a fighting standpoint, but mentally. You remember there was that point where he wanted to wrestle yeah. for a minute with Stipe and, and Rogan and the gang were like, "This is not a good idea," and he just knew. He just backed off immediately because he knew I, I don't want to do that again. Let's get back to the stand-up. Again, hurt Stipe. Didn't go in like a like a psychopath swinging. More controlled. He was smarter. You saw the progression. 
you this was a guy who wasn't gonna blow his second chance. Gone and Ganu is gonna be a point of evolution in the fight game. We're gonna there'll be something different going on there than we've seen up to this point. Yeah, closing I mean, windows. I it's like about it. closing windows. It's about the opposite of what you just said about just engaging. It's the exact opposite about it's a it's about these guys who want to win first and look good second and and close those windows of opportunity for somebody else to knock me out and not run in there reckless abandon and just Robbie Lawler and just engage their way through the fight. That's and that's the evolution of the fight game. They're smarter fighting. They're doing smarter fighting. Some of them. And uh, it doesn't make for the excitement. So what we have to do, start televising the skill level when it's all the way down here. And following that, and that'll bring the entertainment back to the game and it'll get back where the other sports are. Did you just know Gon and Ganu I don't know if you guys are, I don't know if you guys heard that. What's that? Did you know they were sparring partners? Gon and Ganu? Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, definitely makes sense. I mean, again, it just makes it that much more intriguing to me, dude. Yeah. Again, the idea of seeing a couple big guys, a couple of athletes, knowing now what Nganu can do, to me the mm-hmm. question is, is can if Nganu can actually wrestle and, and, and fight another fight where he stays controlled, where he picks his spots, where he hurts somebody, and he doesn't go flying in, or he just waits and he's patient, because that guy, as everybody pointed out on Fight Night, that's a scary dude. It is. Like super calm, slow tempo, and Ganu is a scary MF. That is yeah. a scary dude. Again, I'd love to see him do that with somebody like Gon or even John Jones. And that way you would really know, like, oh, damn. Because I'll tell you what, if he can do that, then I think Ganu could be literally unstoppable. Yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. that there'd be a guy. It'll take somebody like Gon to beat him. It would take yeah. somebody like that with the accuracy and a technician. It would take a technician to beat him for sure. Uh, by the way, one more point on Vittori. Um, Carl <laughs> Roberson missed weight in what was supposed to be. I they they the fight was I think canceled a couple of times because of weight issues, and. Um, Basically, Dana sent them back and was going to postpone the fight. And Marvin Vittori was so pissed that he literally ran him down and started screaming at him about how unper like he was like, I've been training for a year for this fight. You couldn't even make weight. Like, what is wrong with you, dude? Seriously, this is the kind of seriousness and passion I want in my fighters. I don't just like Vittori because he's Italian. I like Marvin Vittori because he was in Italy and he and he had to go find six different gyms to train at in order to learn MMA, right? There wasn't just one gym for him to go to. He had to go to a kickboxing gym and a boxing gym and a wrestling gym because there wasn't one gym in Italy that did all those things. So you talk about Ngannou living on the streets of Paris at 26 or Vittori traveling all over Europe to find gyms so he could do what he loves. That's the reason these guys step up their game. And a guy like Kevin Holland, who's probably more talented than both of them combined, Jared. Okay? could He is a very talented guy. If he had their spirit, if he had their determination, he could be a great champion. I just don't think he takes his craft serious enough to get there. Wow. 
Great take. That was that was. I can't even follow that. You could only follow that with a. Uh, I mean, you'd need something beautiful. <laughs> that was really well done, dude. That was um, well said. Always inspired wow. by dude. Uh, by the way, yeah, uh, man. <laughs> Jared wrote something, and again, I hope you guys will share it on on the throwing jabs page. Jared's story about his dog. If you want to cry about a dog story, boy. And and learn something about what a great individual that guy is. Um, I think everybody should read it. I literally got in the shower this morning in tears reading it. I couldn't put it down. When you so. see those, damn, when you see those uh, Vittori and Nganu and Edison Miranda type stories, um, you know that when the human being is faced with adversity, they're going to find a way to fight through it. Um, and we like that in our fighters because they're fighters, you know? And so we don't have to worry uh, when the heat turns up. You know, when Buster Douglas said, you're going to have to kill me, I got chills all over me because I believed him. I believed that the only way for Tyson to get him out of there would be to take his life away. When he said it, you believed it. Adesanya, there's a clip of him staring across the ring, and he says to the other guy, the other guy's like, you want to touch gloves? And he says, you're going to have to kill me. When you face the kind of adversity in your life that Adesanya has, you know, we, 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 that makes a great fighter for some reason. You know, I think we've nailed down some of the reasons with Scrub Scraps, but that makes you hear that and you know that that guy's going to come come through in the clutch. And uh, when you say that, Joe, it just, it just reminds me that in the same, in the same breath, I might not be in an octagon, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the world, but it comes from a dark place. You know, that stuff from me comes from fighting through dark, dark places. All right. And I mean, you brought up scrub scraps, Jared. So let's end the show like we always do. With the flurry, and we got another rendition of the Scrub Scraps Spotlight. But first, we got a little video to show along with it. That's Roshan in the white. <laughs> Ladies What's up, and everybody? gentlemen, hello. <laughs> Real hype, man. Thanks for hyping me up. Jeez, hey. that was good. Yeah, Damn, this is man. my man Roshan, close personal friend, and uh, literally one of my greatest pupils. Um, in in Scrub Scrub. Yeah, man. What's up? Definitely. Dude. Um, good that fight, I said to him. Yeah, yeah, I said to Roshan before that fight, wrapped his wrists up and stuff, and then said to him, "Hey, uh." Whatever to zero. I want your score to be whatever it is and his score to be zero. He doesn't land any punches. So he yep. went in there with a tough guy that was ready to go and started moving around and not let him land anything. And it frustrated you know, him. You know, it's it funny because so I, remember, I remember training that week too. And uh, you were like, all right, we're going we're gonna to try some Willie Pep. We're going to try some Willie Pep movements. And I was like, all right. 
we'll, we'll fucking try it. So that's what I was just going to work on that day. And you know what's even more funny? I remember the conversation before the fights even started. Me, you, and Chris sat down and we were like, you know, we've never really had an actual knockout since Scrub Scrap started. <laughs> thinking about it, we were all we were all thinking hard. We were like, yeah, no, there really hasn't. I mean, there have been stoppage. Like, people just stop, but nobody's been yeah. knocked out. And that day, I don't know if you remember, dude, people were getting fucking knocked out left and right. Yeah, that was, it was uh, kind of a rainy day, a but... Yeah. Now, let yeah, me that's... ask this, Roshan, because it seemed like... I'm not sure who your opponent was that day. It looked like he put his hands down for a second. Was he? The was names he have been changed to protect the innocent. Was he talking some smack, kind of like a go ahead and do it, and you did it? That's what <laughs> yeah, it looked like to um, me. So when we went up to touch gloves in the beginning, you know, the referee's breaking down the, the law, the rules and stuff. So I was just like, let's give him a show. That's what I said to him. And apparently that's his way of, like, he, he put his hands down. And he was like, hit me, hit me. And, and you did. <laughs> fucking, yeah, I gave him the I gave him the two piece. Now listen, doesn't that just speak <laughs> on what I was just talking about about taking your craft seriously? Yeah, man, definitely. Um, man. You know, there's I, I, one of my favorite videos on the YouTube's is uh, when cocky fighters like eat their words. I love that kind of stuff. Um, listen, you punch me around. like okay, yeah, I love it. You're messing around with athletes, man. These guys are giving up so much of their time and life, and they're not messing around. They want the W, man. They want the dub. They want their hand raised. They want to go to the next level. It go. I mean, I wrestled in high school, right? So I'm cutting weight. Um, I'm starving myself. I'm going in there to get that the championship, man. You want to fool around? Whatever. That's on you. You're not going to be in my way to get where I want to be. These fighters are the same way, man. If not... 10 times more they're you know they're sacrificing so much and what do you say about like as you learn the craft like what i was just saying before you came on about the trauma you may have experienced in your life leading to um when you're faced with those harder situations inside the ring or octagon that your reaction is a little more tempered you know that if you stick with it you're gonna stay alive you know it's like, all right, so there's a sense of like, it's crazy to think about it this way, but there's a sense of meditation while you're in the ring because you're so focused. Nothing mm. else matters except the fact that you're in it. And it's just, so yeah, you know, you're just basically trying to stay so focused and it's meditative. That's what these type of sports for me is. You know, I'm going into this, not to think about my electric bill, not to think about life, my girl, my, you know, if you got kids or whatever, you're going in there and this is your home away from home, your time to really focus and bring, break down every little bit of, of your flaws, you know, mm. cause you're moving around, you know, you're not breathing right. You're moving around. You're not uh, reacting right. Your reflexes aren't pinpoint. And everything that aggression that you live with in life, you know, you just bring it to the, bring it to the ring, bring it to the mat and you leave it all on the mat, all in the ring. And I can't dude, Honestly, I can't thank Jared enough for fucking bringing me into this. Cause I remember Forrest uh, Rose, shout out to Forrest. Um, 
mentioned this boxing. Yeah, he's like, dude, I got a match. You want to come and uh, support me? I was like, you got a what? A boxing match? Uh, yeah, of course. I'm going to go there. Seen, you know, I think it was, I don't know who he fought. I think it was you, maybe. Uh, oh, seen him fight, yeah, you know. And just the encouragement, encouraging him being in his corner and let him, you know, being part of of that moment was freaking incredible. Then you signed me up for the fight, and phew, rest is so history, that's, man. That's a, that's a great uh, that's a great uh, segue because I wanted to ask you a little bit about that transition. You went there the first time, and kind of sat in as a trainer. You know, something you'd never really done before. And then when you came to fight Dom, I'm not sure there had been any training prior to that. And no. uh, much respect for that. That kid's a monster. He was like 225 when you fought him, like 60, 70 pounds out of your weight class. This was our heavyweight champion, and we ran out of guys. And Roshan was like, I'll, I'll fight him. Yeah, I'm done. You should <laughs> see the fight, that he video, over man. To me. You He's like, that video. was intense. Bro, was intense. I take my shirt off, and I'm... <laughs> 140 maybe 145 at that point and i'm just like looking so little i don't even not think about it. i'm like damn i should just kept my shirt on because <laughs> like, is there a video of this fight can we can we check that that oh, one I yeah think it didn't gotta, go as well we've got yeah, a half man, dozen dude. of his fights and he, he balls out in all of them he's five and three it's, right six and three uh, I don't remember the record, but something like that. It's close to that. Yeah, I lost. I remember. I, lo I remember my losses. I lost to Dom. I lost to um, Sammy. Sammy Ruiz. Ruiz, dude, that was a fight too. That was a tough fight. Oh, that was a good one. And I think that's it. I don't think I lost to anybody else. Did you fight Jared? Nah, we always spar. No. We never got into no. to the ring. Yeah, yeah, I've never had a chance to take Jared out. Um, there was a long time that I would have been the betting favorite, and I think that time may have passed, to be perfectly honest with Roshan. Um, uh, dude, and to be honest, That's man. my work, by the way. <laughs> yeah, man, telling you that one-two, turning the toes, the hips, just the general basics, you know, and then now that I'm taking private lessons, I go to Ascension, Ascension Athletics up in Bristol. Go to them, and uh, you know I'm already ahead of the ahead of the game here with the form and the and the movement. So the fluidity of the the punches come out very easily for me. So because of the training I had with Jared, man, so that helped a lot. You know. So but. so I see this uh, this transition that you made. That's um. There's only a few. There's only a few that really follow that transition of um, beginner fighter, beginner trainer, beginner didn't couldn't wrap a wrist, you know, and then learning to wrap your own wrists um, and then learning to wrap someone else's wrists and then being in the corner and actually knowing what you're talking about. And to me, having a, a my 14 year old nephew over here who's like six one one seventy for some reason and some kind of athletic phenom but um he can't box he can fight you know but i was able to for my 14 year old nephew bring somebody in to spar with that wasn't quite as close to the situation that could control him without hurting him and like 
the total circle of, of student to teacher, that entire transition of really living the program and understanding it and being able to then give it to people on the other side. So I think your perspective of Scrub Scraps is really unique. What would you say so about that? People Pro really misunderstand um, boxing and, you know, combat sports, uh, the outside view of it. I mean, really, when you talk about sparring, talk. you say that somebody who's never sparred before, they're going to think about fighting. You know, they're going to, me and Jared, we talk about sparring, we're talking about exercising. We're talking about moving back and forth. We're talking about trading a little bit of punches, making the other guy better. So that's the one thing that this uh, boxing and wrestling and all MMA sports is. When you're talking about sparring, it's controlled fighting. It's really just an exercise. You know what I'm saying? So when people go in thinking that they have no um, knowledge of it, well, you go in with somebody that has knowledge of it, they're going to make you better. They're going to make you understand what boxing and this uh, sport is really about. It's not about fighting. It's, it's about technique. There's so much technique. And then the fighting comes in afterwards when you're when you've got that whole technique down, you know, then you can apply the technique into the fight. So, yeah, man, controlling the pace of the fight, controlling your opponent and controlling yourself is basically how this sport goes. Teaching other people, like you said, like I went in with your nephew and he caught on to the game right quick. He knew not to rush, you know, because when he re rushed on me, I gave him the jab. He slowed, he slowed right down. So then he started catching on to what we were doing, how to move, how to keep the pace, you know, because by the time second round, halfway through second round, he was done. He was gassed. So he's got one yeah. more round to go. How is he going to make it well, to that round? Well, in every one of these, he's been a trial by fire type of kid. You know, he doesn't want to you know? do really the pad work. He wants to get in there, and he's he's tough as he's the toughest fourteen year old I know. I mean, right? To be fair, um, definitely. That I looked at you, I was like, dude, this kid's fourteen. He's bro? lying about his age. Somebody check his person. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, punches, Danny Omani. <laughs> yeah, he's making uh, me move, Rashawn, man. Rashawn, yes, uh, I I sparred with Jared once. Um, and it was an exercise. He beat me up, literally beat me up still somehow. Um, it's funny that you say that though. I, I mean, when I say he beat me up, he hit, I, I, you know, I've told the story here. I'll, 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 I'll tell it again. Cause it's fun. We I were kind of going a little bit of, you know, kind of jabbing just, and, and he's, and he's talking me through it. Tell, you know, keep the feet moving and, and, you know, uh, bouncing on your toes or whatever. All good stuff. And then he was like, I'm going to punch you in the face. And I was like, oh, all right. we got the headgear on. I'm like, oh, all right. And we're going. And, I, you know, I was like Chris Tucker in like, Rush Hour, I got hit. And I was like, oh, my God, what the, what just happened? Who else um, is here? But, and I were, because I, again, he was talking me through it. And we had talked beforehand about that first time you get punched in the face. You got two options. Well, you got three options. You can go down. <laughs> You can, you can react right and just start throwing haymakers because you got punched. You want to hit them back, or you hit in the face, and you could really let stuff slow down and become more aware of what just happened. Right? I don't want to get punched in the face again. 
How do I go about doing that? And that for me was the major lesson where like it all slowed down for me after that first punch in the face. And I thought, all right, I really got to pay attention here. And I'm going to try to remember all the things he said. Right. I start to see the shoulder moving. Right. And I start coming back. Right. Keep the hands up. Move back. I it, Everything got slower. The more we were out there dancing around, like it, it became I was much more focused. I forgot everything else in the world that was going on. My main focus in that moment, Roshan, was Jared wasn't punching me in the face again. And the other thing was we weren't like timing it. So this was going to be as many times as he wanted to punch me in the face until he decided we were done. <laughs> I didn't know how many times he wanted to hit me. So there was no way of even knowing Again, pacing myself. I'm a big guy. I mean, I could. I, I'm like in Ganu, bro. I probably can't go more than a couple rounds. That'd be about it. You know what I mean? I'd be dead. You gotta set your, you gotta set your punches up. But everything he said was so true, dude. I got hit, and suddenly it was like, okay, think about this. And also, I've got to throw some back his way. Like, right. there's a lot well, going on here, and if my my mind funny. isn't I didn't clear. I didn't relate that when Roshan first said it, that that eye of the storm focus is kind of something you've touched on a few times from that experience is that, that, and that Joe, let me tell you this. When I talk about the psychology of what we do at Scrub Scraps, people that make habitual bad choice makers, okay, depressed, addict, um, usually anxiety, things like that, like habitual bad choice makers, get in that position and don't slow it down. They react on instinct. And there's a really good reason for that. Probably they've been through so much trauma in their life that they've learned to rely on their instinct to stay alive. So it becomes like this friendly safety net. And then when that thing comes, ah, you react to it because your instinct's your best friend and that's what your instinct's telling you to do. So to take that demographic and put them in this situation and say the only way you're going to do better is to slow it down and make a good choice and then put them in that have to react fight or flight situation. Yeah, it's beautiful stuff, man. And then Roshan, then he caught me in the ribs and I was hurt for weeks. Oh, man. (laughs) Listen, rib shots suck, man. Body, <laughs> you get somebody's body out, you're they're done, man. I've won. Roshan has I've... thrown a hybrid left hook at me four times, I think, in our sparring sessions. It comes like it looks like a left hook to the body, and then it comes sideways, straight up through the gloves. He hasn't landed it yet, but I talk about it every time. Like I never, I hope you never. Because I don't, yeah. Because I'm scared to you go in the pocket. that in your pocket while we're sparring because if that <laughs> lands, the angle on it is. I will bad tell news. you this: it changed my perspective on body shots. Like, dude, I, you know, I know technically, like, work the body. I understand that. I got hit, and I mean, this thing hurt for Listen. literally. Three weeks, and I think oh upcoming God. fight. Uh, I think Jeremy yeah. Stevens. I don't know if he's gonna come up and fight soon, but you see Yair Rodriguez body kick him, Damn. put him out, man. You curl up when you get hit in the body, man. You just want to curl up and just, just in a fetal position and cry for your mom, man. Because oh sure, you can. Hopkins you can get wasn't knocked. gonna hit Delahoya in the head and knock him out. Hopkins yeah, listen, was not gonna 
to have that experience there. of getting hit in the body and having it hurt for three weeks, it, it really like oh. it really emphasized to me like, dude, body shots are probably worse. Freaking uh, prime now. example, uh, Loma versus uh, Linares. Finished them. Loma was losing the whole fight. I mean, not the whole fight, but he was losing the fight because of that knockdown. And come, what was it, twelfth round, tenth round, or something? Got him. Boom. Button right in the liver, and it's it's lights out, man. Yeah. That's the body shots are crazy, man. Gotta put some yeah, water in the basement. You want to take the house know, down? That's it. That's it. Take the foundation <laughs> out. There you you get the rest. Yeah, man. Fighting, it's fun, man. I love it. Keeps me going. Keeps me now, motivated. And Roshan, when you get knowledge. into a fight with someone, what is how how does that benefit your relationship with them? Uh, on the other side. Oh, in in uh, scrub scraps. Yeah. You're talking about. Oh, dude, it's yeah. it's all love, man. Listen, it's all love because you're going in there and you're sharing like a moment with with that person you're you're pretty much like you know very vulnerable moment where he can really fuck you up excuse my language like and you know like you guys are going in there you're gonna be out of breath thinking a lot you know there's so much going on and at the end of it you guys survive and you're just hugging it out sharing the experience like what you just went through and it's all love from there man it's like you guys just share different ideas next fight you have uh you'll just get better by uh trading those uh experiences i've i've never had a sour moment even the even the video that jared just played you know afterwards i just went up to the guy and i you know shook his hand he basically said he was like yeah we're gonna run it back obviously and i was like well of course i'm always down for it but Did yeah you- man it's always good experience <laughs> always good relationships people are more than not, they're happy just to have gone in the ring and and did something that they never thought they could do. So. Wait, well, you ticked off. Hold on, he ticked off his losses before. So the, you guys, did you run it back? You rematched. You obviously beat him again. Oh no, uh, no, I never, this I never went back for my. Oh, so you didn't. Yeah, you the, didn't. You guys didn't get it. So, but maybe you will. Is there any chance for the rematch? I would so. like to see it. Oh, that'd be I put awesome. my money on you, Roshan. That's for Dude, sure. Dude, <laughs> all the money, bitcoins, currencies, yeah, everything. <laughs> put your house, put your house up. <laughs> Make everybody rich, man. I tell you. Wow, yeah, listening to you and uh, we had AJ on the show last week, um, and listening to you guys describe the connection that happens to two people when they when they experience that together is man, it's been beautiful. That's that's awesome, yeah, man. You know, listen, the majority of it is the 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 terrifying perception that you have of what boxing is. You know, obviously, we love to see people get knocked out. Nagano, Stipe, like, <sighs> loved it. Gladiator moment. That's awesome. Mm. But when you get into somebody that like us, you know, at Scrub Scraps, and we look at you, we see how experienced you are. We see we're not going to go in there and try to take your head off. I, we got nothing to prove. You know, we're going in there to have fun. This is this is a fun moment. If, they, if, if you push me in a corner, obviously, I'm going to have to react and get out of that corner. But 
you know, it's it's well, never and that's the, the thing never... that makes it so makes it so uh, so different. It's the whole culture. Like we fought on Sundays, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday were different too because we had that option. Yes, Scotty and Ward. Hey, mm-hmm. Daryl Stingley, who was his best friend, wasn't it Tatum? I mean, a lot of times when you end up, yeah, man, you're gonna, you're gonna, it, it, it's just the craziest thing how 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 uh, the fight game is able to bring bring people together, for sure. It was awesome. so fun having uh, AJ here last week, who I'd never met, who watches the show, and he came for me from the <laughs> opening bell. Roshan, he just came at me with a he just all the whole show before he touched gloves. <laughs> you and I, you and I, Roshan and I have spent an entire day together, like hanging out at Jared's with Jared, like, and he's been nothing but sweet and respectful. I appreciate that. Calling yeah, you out, man. AJ. Calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to AJ, man. Keeping it, keeping it spicy from the rip. We love it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. It's all Ooh. fun, man. I Joe love this. Frazier. Ali said if God ever called me to war, I would want Joe Frazier by my side. There you go. Dude, even years later, think about uh Tyson and Holyfield. There was a commercial or something or some video on YouTube, Tyson returning Holyfield his ear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can we be friends? I don't know again? if I I don't know if I could get behind Holyfield and Tyson being friends. Like, there's got to hey, be you limits. Seen, <laughs> you seen a? Hey, you, you know what it reminds picture? me a little bit of? Mm-hmm. Is uh, sorry to interrupt. Is uh, when you're in prison and you've got a cellmate and you're locked up there, you know, and they slide food under two trays under the door and you're just there all day with one other person for I don't know, ten, twenty, thirty. A couple hundred, couple thousand days, you know, you've played Rummy 500,000. Um, and, and you, like, get to know that person, even if it's a week. I promise you, the two of you will know things about each other. That there aren't other, a lot of other people. You, you get, you spend that, what is it, three sets of two minutes. So you spend that eight minutes with somebody you may have never talked to or looked at before in your life. And leave after that eight minutes, knowing things about them that their spouse and kids and parents might not know. You understand what I'm saying? You get right in there if you know what you're looking for. It's it's there's magic there. I always thought it was magic before I came up with Cuddle the Bear. I thought it just happened to my magic, literal magic in in the real world, and it's not. There's a there's you know real psychological explanations for most of it. I think there is definitely something to shared experiences and how important that could be mentally long-term for anybody involved. I mean, for, you know, I, I told you there's this, my wife and I, we don't buy each other gifts. We buy things we can go to and enjoy together. You know, whether it's a baseball game for me or a, a musical or a, a concert for her, we enjoy doing those things together. It's something we could bore Jared with, on a random Tuesday night, we we're on the phone with them telling them about stuff that we did that for us was a great bond. It was a good experience for us. And so, again, you're looking at scrub scraps in a fight and, and it is it's a shared experience. And it's something that, you know, I think if you're right in the head, you should walk away like, man, we did this. We did this together. 
Mm. This was great. Listen, this was great another, for me. Great for you. Another, uh, you know, thing is like kids, man. Kids getting bullied at school. Always a door open, I believe, at Scrubs Grass for those kids as too, as well. You know, they don't have friends. They always got companions at the gym, at wherever uh, the gym, closest gym there is to them. But kids, well, I think, think that's where the majority of the issues start is from when you're in school you're getting bullied you don't you don't when you get into the cafeteria i don't know if you guys remember like you're looking around like where do i sit you know like that is the I worst feeling the to ever go through you know that's the worst yeah. feeling to ever go through when you're a kid to feel left out some of us say so. in the bathroom um but if you think of that experience now from the standpoint of a bully and what it means to a bully to be able to walk into a place and be matched up with someone the same size on the same skill level all of a sudden all that same excitement and fear is there but it's fair and then you think of the effect it's going to have on that victim to lace up and be able to have somebody their size and their skill level to go up against. It's bringing the bully down to where he belongs and raising the victim up to where self, he or she belongs and leveling out. Then people talk about the experience they've had at Scrub Scraps, whether they've fought or not. That's part of it because nobody's out there strutting around like they're the toughest guy and nobody's over in a corner like not really having anybody to talk to. And you know, Wes, who was that when he got there, Bloom like oh, a yeah. beautiful flower into a person that's now teaching people and people are walking up to him. What do you think I should do and really respect Shit. his Shout opinion? Shout out to West. My man, Wes. <laughs> yeah, man. I haven't seen him in a hot yeah. minute, man. Love to catch up. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's somebody uh, Somebody Roshan fought. Great fight. Wes's first fight and showed up out of nowhere. Didn't know anybody. Dude. And, and developed some of the most beautiful bonds of his life. I'm sure. Showed so much and toughness. Brought his little brother I love, into it. I love I him for that, man. I love him for that. And me and him sparred, trained together. You know, we developed such a tight friend friendship out of it. And you would never expect that uh, from me, really, because he wasn't my type of like a person that I would become friends with. Other than the fact there that there weren't we a lot of ways you next, guys were you know, build that. Yeah. Right. There weren't a lot yeah, of ways right. that you guys were going to develop right. that kind of friendship based on what you have in common. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But he's a tight dude. He's a he's a freaking tough, nice freaking person. Another hundred and forty-five pounder. You don't want to end up on the wrong side. <laughs> Ooh, I was. He only lost to me afterwards. He was just like, never lost again. But he yeah, messed everybody five and up. One. Yeah, yep. right. You and the way it's funny because the way you were able to control him, I was like, I don't know. This West kid finished the fight. He looked tough as nails. He's been learning a lot. He shows up to every training I do, and he fought Roshan, who's really technically sound and and has tight game, you know. So styles make fights. But after that fight, everybody was like, Oh yeah, I'll fight that kid. I'll fight that kid. So I had no trouble <laughs> lining up his next. Half dozen fights, and he just walked through them one at a time. Shoo! Hey, Wes is the kid them. that uh, that the got boom. hit low that I was telling you about. I've actually told you guys that story that uh, that my sister yelled out and cheered for. That was telling me about a soccer match when he was a kid. No, this is no. that same kid. Yeah, five and one. His first fight was a loss to uh, Roshan. Oh, 
I yeah. love it. What an Good honor time. it is to have you here. <laughs> yeah. Damn, oh, man. Stop. Jesus. <laughs> you got to make me blush. Nah, man. Yeah, hey, man. Awesome. I, I heard a quote the other day, man. Well, not even a quote. This My coworker said it to me because I was complaining about the job. I was like, we're, you know, son, son. And he's like, he said something. He said, uh, it's not a race. It's a marathon. And then that stuck to me in, in the workout aspect. And I was all, well, now it's just a life lesson in general. I use that method model all, all the time in my head, you know? So yeah, man, I've been really putting that into my workouts uh, lately. And I've been, now I'm seeing progress, but it's because of that um, mentality, those words that, that, that planted this mindset in my head that it's not a race it's a marathon so no matter what just it. keep on doing it get on the horse and ride that you know and keep on and all these cheesy quotes that uh, all these famous people say that to become successful you have to do this and that i mean it's all true definitely is but you got to find the quote that works for you i guess and that that one really shoot, shoot for the stars yeah right <laughs> maybe you'll get to the moon <laughs> call you neil armstrong <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you what though I, I, I like that quote a lot I think that's And it applies to a lot of things uh, Particularly life you know, It's not a sprint It is a marathon it, it, Truly you, you, you don't have to lead a marathon From the get go to win it And I think that's the, oh, the biggest point Another good one that MLK said You know if you can't uh, run Walk If you can't walk Crawl If you can't crawl Move You know By all means Just keep moving You know so you just have to. Well, and you almost you don't want still. to. You almost that marathon. You almost don't want to lead the whole time and have to win the whole time. One of my favorite quotes is, uh, "Is if we've been able to see any further, it's because we are dwarves on the shoulders of giants." Like some of this stuff, some really smart people did a lot of legwork laying a foundation, and to try to go in it into anything. Like, you're going to have all the best ideas without doing the research of who the greats were. You know, I don't want to talk to any boxer that doesn't know four or five, ten names right off the top of their head when I say them. I don't need you to be a full historian, but I need you to understand that these people changed the game and how. So that if you're going to bring it to the next level, we are but sh dwarves on the shoulders of giants. Take what that and respect that you've got that. I work, uh, Roshan uh, got a job with me a couple couple weeks, couple months ago at CSC Services. Roshan's one of our techs. You guys yeah. probably didn't know that. Yeah. Um, oh, awesome. But he knows Chris, and Chris also has a couple fights. That's our uh, business development manager. So he's uh, he's right above me. Really cool dude, Chris. But I, but I stress this quote to him all the times. So if I've been able to see any further, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders. This guy did car sales for like a decade and then did like five years cleaning hoods in this company or whatever. And then there was no sales team, became the first salesman for CSC. Now we've had about a half dozen and kind of blazed a trail where there wasn't one and went through all that hardship and looking at it and looking back at this thing that you built that I kind of get to, you know, dwarves on the shoulders of giants, take that foundation, respect that foundation, but use it to see a little bit further. I love that. I love that. Yeah. 
Hell yeah. But uh, thank you for coming on today, Roshan. No, thanks for having having me, guys. This was fun. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you, brother. Oh, yeah. But, uh, Dude, great seeing you again. This is a lot of fun. We'll have to definitely have you. Yeah, back. we're gonna Thank have you. to get up and uh, for another fight night. Hey, Usman Masvidal, Jared, you hosting? Oh, I'm down. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That's, the, that's the three title fight. Take your picks. Hold on. I got Young Willie over Rose. I got oh, this is my girl, uh, Valentina. I take her all day, and I take Usman. That's my picks. Take it or leave it. I don't know. So, God, I'll hear you guys. Easy. Everybody knows I love yeah, George, I man. I, I don't like know. I'm gonna have to think hard Dude. on. on uh, I know it's a crazy. I don't crazy think he's run. got the skill set. Dude, I know. Mons, listen, Monsvall never steps up in big fights anyway. Is this but guy I, Italian? I don't want to take him. <laughs> also, Rose. I mean. Rose was a beast, and she like kind of. Oh no! This is a different breed. This is a different breed. She knocked out Joe John Jacek, bro. Yeah, and Whaley went all five rounds with Jacek. So we're looking at what are we looking at here? We're looking at two good fighters going at it now. So I got Whaley though. Hey, Uh, if Whaley wins this, I want her. I want to see her fight uh, Valentina. Oh, God. Oh, that could be first Roshan, Roshan, my whole look right now is Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, literally the whole the beard, the hair, the that's it's. I'm a. I love the guy. He definitely doesn't step up in the big fights as much as obviously I'd love to take him. He's not beaten. Come on, uh, Kamaru's mine. I love him too, man. I love him just Great. as much. Great for the sport, He's a but... badass. Same. Yeah. Usman's just on another level. He's just focused. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why you're in the little intro video. You're the flying knee, Joe. You know I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's going to do it for throwing jabs. Thanks, Roshan, for joining us. Thank you, Jared and Joe, for joining me as always. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week for more throwing jabs. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Zach the Plant. Have you ever imagined about starting your own podcast or radio show to voice your opinions and share your passions with others? You think to yourself, how would I even start something like that? I don't have any equipment or any experience whatsoever. Well, look no further. The folks at Clovercrest Media got you covered. Clovercrest Media Group is home to over 30 individual podcasts. Like Divide We Stand, I'll Piss You Off Shortly, Speaking It Real, and so much more. At Clovercrest Our sound engineers only believe in the best sounding audio quality, and their expertise will make your podcast sound professional and pleasing to your viewers. As a media group, we are obliged to every type of media available, including, but not limited to, video, audio, photography, and digital media marketing, as well as live streaming, and so much more. As we say here at CMG, the harder we work, the luckier we'll get. To jumpstart your podcast or program, go to clovercrestmedia.com and get to recording today.